John 13, sentence 1 to 11. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples just before his death and then resurrection in the Gospel of John. And he's preparing them for what is to come. And, uh, and so we're going to read from what he teaches his disciples right at the end of his ministry. John 13, sentence 1. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, You shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not only my feet, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. This is the word of God. Well, good afternoon. My name's Gav. I'm one of the pastors here in Straight. You could join us for our third week of uh, the importance of church community in the, uh, in the lives of followers of Jesus. Uh, before we bring, uh, let's, before we uh, look at this, let's pray and uh, talk to God. Heavenly Father, we, uh, we thank you that you don't remain silent, that you, you speak to us today by and through the power of your word. I want to pray that we'd be able to sit still and to focus well and to listen to what you'd have us hear from you. Would you love us deeply? You know exactly where our hearts are at right now. You know what's on our minds and what our weeks, weekends have been like. And you know what we need to hear. So if I'm going to pray that we would listen, that we'd have hearts that are ready to hear, minds that are ready to, to comprehend and, and understand. I'm going to pray that we are to sit still and to be still before you and listen to our King. Thank you that, that your word is living and active and sharpening a double-edged sword. Lord, if we need to be reminded or rebuked or corrected today, we pray that that would happen. If we need to be comforted, we pray that would happen. But I pray that you would, you would just use me as your servant, that I would simply be a messenger of yours, that I'd speak just what is true and what you want me to say. So help me to just almost get out of the way and just pursue you today. Lord, thank you so much that you love us and you speak to us. pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I wonder if you've ever heard the phrase before, um, like father, like son, or someone have said to you, just like your mother. And I wonder what you think when you hear that. But I know sometimes it surely can be true. Uh, recently, uh, uh, my mother passed away and we had her funeral here in this building. And um, some guys came that I hadn't seen for a long time, guys that I went to school with. 
So guys that I started in kindergarten with and went right through to year 12. And so I've known them for almost 33 years. And I hadn't seen them for a while. And, uh, and I, I saw them walk in and I thought they, just, they look exactly like their dad. Exactly like their fathers who I knew. And it got me thinking, am I like my dad? Do I look like my dad? And, uh, and so I started to think about that. And my, my dad passed away uh, nine and a half years ago. And my kids never got to meet their, grand, their grandfather. And so they often ask me questions. Hey, what, what, what is grandpa like? And uh, I try and describe him. And, and I remember uh, I try and tell him what they were, he was like. And, uh, but I don't think I look anything like him. But I'm going to give you a test. Here's a photo of my dad on the far, far end there. There he is. <laughs> Photoshopped him. Barry, my dad. And uh, I don't think I look a lot like him. I think he's, he was almost, um, he was almost uh, tall as he was round at points, um, little round man, uh, but we don't really have a lot of similarities there, uh, do we? I hope not, right? Yeah, I just want to confirm that in me. Um, <laughs> uh, but he was like, like five foot seven, and uh, you know, I'm almost six, six, three, six, four, and uh, he, had, uh, he had gray hair uh, early, I think I've got a bit of that, a bit of civil fox coming through at the moment, um, I'd like to call myself, anyway, uh, he had the, the big ears like I do, um, but apart from that, that's about it. But in some ways, we were quite similar. And I think a lot of uh, some things in me show what my father was like. My dad loved sport. Uh, he actually grew up not far from here. He grew up in Evans Street in Balmain. And uh, he loved rugby league. He grew up playing rugby league. His dad played rugby league. And his, my, his uncles played rugby for Newtown Jets and all these sort of teams. And he loved the Balmain Tigers. And my love of the West Tigers come from him. He loved cricket. He got me to that very early on. And uh, I love that as he does. And you can see my father through the way that I love sport. Another thing that he instilled my brother and I was the use of hankies. <laughs> now, I don't know if anyone here wants to shame themselves and use a hanky or you know what a hanky is, but I bought one in just so you could all show. You know, pass it around if you know, just joking. Um, uh, <laughs> but hankies, and these, these are, you know, material that you blow your nose on. And uh, it, it really... Hankies divides people. It's a dividing thing. Like you love it or you hate it. I had a guy this morning going, yeah, Hanky's yelling at my servant. <laughs> Paul Davies, he loved that, right? He was right into that. And, uh, and uh, they're pretty disgusting. And um, I remember one time, <laughs> I said this this morning, I remember one time, uh, I had like hay fever. My nose was running so much using a hanky. Put it in my pocket and my, my pants got wet. Like it's just... <laughs> It's a weird thing that you hold on to hankies and there's snot in your pocket. Like, what is that? Anyway, when I got married, my Katie refused to wash them. She's like, I'm out. That is, I didn't sign up for this. Hankies are out of this family. I should have slipped that into our wedding vows. You know, do you choose to love me even when I use hankies? We didn't do that, but, uh, but no. But my, growing up, my dad, he actually taught me that you never leave the house without a hanky in your pocket, right? My brother still does it to this day. And so much so... He's, he's taught his family to enjoy hankies. So not only his wife and his kids all share this hanky. It is disgusting. I saw it the other day. It is disgusting. Anyway, like father, like son, but my brother. But today we are, we are looking at the importance of church community in the life of the follower of Jesus. And in week one, we looked at what the church is, and we saw that Jesus called it his bride, and he loves it so much, and he's committed to it, and therefore we should be as well. Jez last week spoke on from Hebrews 10, the importance of gathering and being committed to that and encouraging one another. And he asked the question, how, how much of a priority is that in your week? Today we're looking at John chapter 13 and the idea of church and mission. So us loving one another, 
Uh, we will show the world God's love for all people. If you've been here for any amount of time here at City Light, you would hear us talk a lot about this idea of the reason we actually began City Light six years ago was to help people come to know Jesus. That was our desire behind this church. We talk about this regularly. We look at the passage from Matthew 28, the Great Commission, go make disciples, sharing the good news of Jesus' death and resurrection. We talk about that as a lot of the church. We believe this and we want to hear God's word and obey and go and do. We also read other passages in the Bible like this from 1 Peter 2.9, which says this, but you are, so the you here is to the, to the, the exiles uh, that Peter's speaking to, these, these scattered Christians. He says, but you are together a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you, so as a people, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which is God. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now have received mercy. And Peter's encouraging these believers to share their experience of God and how much he has done for them. We see this similar thing in Matthew 5.14. And this is actually this passage where we got the name of City Light from. It's from this passage in 1 Peter, from um, Matthew 5.14. Look at this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, you are, you are together, you are the light of the world, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden, nor do people hide it, put a lamp, uh, light a lamp put under a basket, nor, but on a stand, it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so may see good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. This idea that together we are God's light, the city light, pointing to Him, the true light. This idea that we have this amazing news of the gospel, and God calls us together to share that, to proclaim that. You know, that the church together is empowered by the Holy Spirit to be God's plan A, take this message of Him to the world. That's the mission of the church. The mission that has eternal consequences for, for people, changing people's eternal destination. Let me show you again a quote that I, that I, that I read from uh, Paul Tripp uh, from week one, which I think encapsulates this idea. It says, your life is much bigger than a good job, an understanding spouse, and non, and non-delinquent kids. It is bigger than a beautiful garden and nice vacations and fashionable clothes. In reality, you are, the church is, together, you are a part of something immense, something that began before you were born and will continue after you die. Because God is rescuing fallen humanity and transporting them into his kingdom and progressively shaping them into his likeness. And he wants you to be a part of it. It's a call on the church, rescuing fallen humanity and transporting to his kingdom and then taking that message to the world and he calls the church to be a part of it. God's plan for the church. But how do we do this? What does this look like? What are we going to look at today? And I want to suggest, this is God's design, that as we truly love one another here, as the church loves one another, that we will reflect what God is like and thus show the world God's love for all people. Really, like father, like child. See, the use of, of, my, you know, the use of my, using a hanky or a uh, love of sport reflects what my dad is like. As we understand God's love and thus love one another, the world can look in and see who God is and his unconditional love for the whole world. When we love each other as a church, we demonstrate that we ourselves have been loved and we show the world God's life, God's love for all people. So in that way, our love for one another is a witness to the world. That's what we're going to look at today. Our love for one another is a witness to the world. And that's God's good design for his church, the mission of the church. So we're going to spend time looking at John 13 and walking through this. I'm going to give you three observations, and then this will just sort of help you to navigate where I'm going. You can follow along where I'm going. 
So it's really the pattern of love, the power of love, the purpose of love. The three Ps. You can remember that. Pattern of love, power of love, purpose of love. So let's start with the pattern of love. Now, Jez uh, just read for us from John 13. It's always really helpful when you look at the Bible, you know the context of what's going on, you really understand what Jesus is saying. John 13 comes as, as like this, this teaching block from chapters 13 through to 17. And this is really Jesus' final words to his followers before he goes and dies on the cross. So he knows this is the last night, this last time he will spend with his disciples. And so these are really important words. It's like his parting words to them. He knows he's going to leave them in the world without him. And so he says these things to, to his followers. So they're worth holding on to. I just want to read to you just, just a few sentences from chapter 13. It's chapter 13, 33 to 35. It says this. Little children, says Jesus, speaking to his followers. Little children, get a little while I'm with you. You will seek me. And just as I said to the Jews, so now I also say to you, where I'm going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another, just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have loved one another. Here's what I think Jesus is saying on the night he's about to be arrested. He says, little children, he's calling this, this, this I think it's this, this warmth towards his little, to his followers who, are, who feel lost without him. Little children, he says. You cannot come where I'm going. I'm leaving you. Almost as up until now, everyone has known you my, my disciples because you followed me around. You've walked around with me. You put your life on the line by being identified with me, but now I'm not going to be here for much longer. So following my presence will not be the mark of discipleship anymore. So I'll give you a new mark, a new commandment, and that is to love one another. People will know your mind by your love for one another. That's what Jesus is saying here. It's going to be a distinctive mark and set them apart as his followers. But he says here, a new commandment. Now, if you know anything of the Bible, you know that God has said, love your neighbor. And he said that way before Jesus said this. So what is new about this idea of loving one another? What does Jesus mean here? Well, I think the answer is back there in sentence 34. Have a look again. He says, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. But here's the new part. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. So what appears to be new is the way that we are to love. So namely, as Jesus has loved us, never before has the Son of God come into the world, never before has God become flesh and laid down his life for his people. So this expression of God's love has never been seen before. This is the newness idea. So the new commandment is basically to live out the love of Jesus. Live out the love of Jesus. And the words, as I have loved you, contain this pattern of love. For each other. Jesus is setting us a pattern to copy and to model as his followers. I remember back to, uh, to high school. and the high school, I went to, I'm not sure it's the same for you, but year seven and eight, you, you do all these subjects. Uh, each, each subject, each period was 40 minutes or so, and you would do all the subjects at school. And then years nine and 10, 11, 12, you pick your, your electives and you, you, you pick what you like and you go ahead and study them. So in year seven and eight, you tried everything. I can remember in year eight having to do textiles. No surprise, but textiles was not my thing. It is not my jam. Uh, so we had to make an item of clothing. And for some strange reason, I chose to make denim shorts. <laughs> Don't know what I was thinking. I went for it. Didn't, didn't go out well. Didn't play out well. Uh, and I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea. The teacher kept talking about using, this, using your pattern. 
didn't know what a pattern was. I didn't know where my pattern was even. I didn't know what I was doing. And she kept telling me, use your pattern, use your pattern. I had no idea, right? And so I was so lost. I can clearly remember paying a girl in my class to sew for me. I paid her 50 cents every time she sewed for me. It cost me a lot to get those shorts done. I paid her to do it. But in the end, the shorts were about 30 sizes too big. I could fit my whole class in them together. One pair of shorts right around us together. Get in, get in, it's great. You know, like, it was, it, it didn't work. The problem was I didn't follow the pattern. I didn't follow the pattern. Who's a sewer here? Do you know what a pattern is? I know there at least one. I'm not going to out you here, Beck. But uh, I, I spoke to Beck this week saying, tell me what a pattern is, Beck. I was texting her. Help me with this pattern illustration. She helped me. Let me tell you this right. I think a, a pattern is the template from which the parts of a garment, this is Wikipedia, which the parts of a garment are traced on the fabric before cutting out and assembling. You follow the pattern to put the, put the clothes together. That's what a pattern does. It's a template you copy to show you how to do it. It's like learning anything, right? You know, I often see uh, uh, on local dances, they do stuff here with, with Chelsea and Mel. Bit of shout out, local dance. There you go, Chelsea. You know, the teacher's up the front with local dance and they're teaching you all the steps. And the class copies or models those steps off, off the person up the front, off the teacher. Uh, you, you imitate what they're doing. Same here with Jesus and his love. He sets the pattern of what our love is to be like. He calls us to imitate here. Love as I have loved you is what he's saying. And if, we, and if we actually jump back to the start of the chapter, the part that Jez read, we see this pattern. And so we read before, it was Jesus washing the disciples' feet. And so Jesus is here is setting up the pattern of what his love looks like. So when you get to sentence 34 and he says, love as I have loved you, the disciples aren't guessing, well, what does this love look like? Well, Jesus just has, has acted out this love. He's just shown this pattern by washing the feet of his disciples. And I love that. In this, in this washing the feet, it shows that Jesus humbles himself. He serves the disciples and he loves them by doing this act. And so Jesus' definition of love focus, focuses on a loving action. Not just loving in, in thought or saying, I love you, but actually living that out and acting out what that love looks like. And he does that in washing the, his disciples' feet. But you know, if, if anything of, of John's gospel, this, this washing of the feet is an acted parable of Jesus, what he's going to do on the cross a little bit later on. He even says that in John 13. And so this, this, this washing the feet is, is pointing towards Jesus, actually not just washing their feet, but washing, washing sinners clean, cleansing us of our sin, washing away all of our filth and our rebellion. So Jesus' love is really ultimately shown on the cross. His love is defined by the cross. And it's this kind of love Love of this kind of caliber that he calls his followers to do and to love toward one another. I love how one commentator I read this week puts it this way, Bruce Milne. He says this, Through the cross we experience our love so amazing, so divine, that Jesus now calls it to be the norm of the Christian community. And this love is to mark out the church as his people. And this is what Jesus calls us here to love like. This is the pattern that he calls us to love one another. And I think this pattern involves two, two main things. If you dig a bit deeper, you think about Jesus' love for his disciples. At first, he, he lays aside status and rank and prestige and privilege, and he takes the form of a servant. Mark 10, 45, Jesus says, I have not come to be served, but to serve. And give my life as a ransom for many. A great place to look at what this servant attitude, this servant love looks like is Philippians 2. If you follow along with the Bible readings this week, you see this really clearly. 
have a listen and listen out for this pattern of love that Jesus sets. Paul, Paul saying this to the Philippians, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Having this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, and it goes on to show what this is like, though Jesus, or he was in the form of God, he did not account did not, he did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man, and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. The servant love, a humility, accounting others more significant. Not looking to our own interests, the interests of others. This is the pattern of love that Jesus set for his church. The first part of the pattern of love is to lay aside rank and privilege. The second part is a practical working out of that. Of actually doing something. Think about the way that Jesus washed people's feet for a second. You know, back in that, in that culture, dirt roads, no bitumen, no set roads, dirty, dusty, open shoes, sandals. Uh, there would have been, you know, animals pooing everywhere on the road, people walking through that. No socks, no clothes in shoes at all. Everyone's feet would have been disgusting. I hate feet generally. Yuck. But here, right, washing dirty feet. Imagine touching someone's dirty feet with all that on them. And just think for a second, imagine, remember who Jesus was. He was God in the flesh. And he comes down to these servants, to these, these disciples, and he washes their feet like the lowest of low servants did this job. Here's another crazy thought for you. He washed Judas's feet. He washes Judas's feet. The guy's going to betray him in a few hours. That's what Jesus does. That's his love that he shows. It's his humble act that he does. Active love. Laying aside a sense of entitlement. They should have been doing it for him. He loved them and served them and humbled himself. And this is the pattern of love that Jesus sets in the church. He says, follow me as I have loved you and love one another. This is the love we had to live out in the church. We are called to go low in foot washing service to one another, laying down our lives and our privileges for one another, putting others' needs before our own. Loving each other no matter who they are in the church, the weakest, the oldest, the youngest, the lonely, the troublemakers, whatever, we to love one another. That's his pattern that is set by Jesus. Now I hear that, I'm sure some of you hear that and think, man, that, that is impossible. I can't do that. I can't do that. That seems way too hard. What I love here, and I think this is my second observation, the power of love, Jesus not only sets a pattern, but he also gives you the power to do so. I want to show you this. Let me take you back to John 13, 34 again. There's a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also love one another. Jesus' love for us is not just a pattern, but it's also the power we need to love one another. Let me show you this. A little later on in this block of teaching, I said John 13 and John 17, this block of teaching that Jesus does on the night before he's about to be betrayed. And in chapter 15, sentence 12, he says a very similar thing to what he says in John 13. So it's like he really wants to get his disciples to know what he's talking about, so he keeps punching away at this point. And he says, this is my command, that you love one another as I have loved you. He wants them to get this. But it's three sentences, three sentences earlier, in 15.9, he says, As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you, which is a crazy thought. 
The Father has loved me, so I've loved you. But what does he say then? Therefore, abide in my love. Or remain in my love. Or stay in my love. What do you want to, you want to put that? I think here Jesus describes a connection with himself that gives us the power to love. And it's only when we abide in his love that we are able to love like he does. It's only when we remain in his love that we can love like he loves us. I wonder if you know this man. You don't know this guy. Yes, Ebbs, do you know who it is? Yes, Ebbs, well done. It is John Edwards. Thank you. It's John Edwards. Great. Now, he had a TV show called Crossing Over. I, everyone's like, oh, yeah, John Edwards. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. John Edwards had a show called Crossing Over. He's a psychic medium, what he calls him, a psychic medium. And he had this TV show where he would get a live audience and the people would want to talk to the dead. So family members, past friends who had, who had crossed over, as he called, uh, who had died, and he would get messages from them, uh, from the people who were dead, people who were alive, people who were alive, back to people who were dead. And he'd be acting this medium, this in-between uh, for them. And it, it, this show happened for a while and he's still around. I just Googled him every day. He's still around, kicking on. And... Uh, but he came this, like his, his, his thing was, uh, that, that oh, I'm a bit skeptical, but you know, whatever. Uh, he became this conduit between the living and the dead. And he would say, you know, your, your loved one says they forgive you and they love you and the person says back something's then that he'd say, yeah, they feel, they, they appreciate that and they, they, they accept that. And this whole need and this in-between, he would pass messages from those who were dead to those who were alive, becoming this conduit. That's what he did. As I've thought about um, this Jonathan Edwards, I think there's a bit of similarity between us and this. I think that uh, what we become to each other is this conduit of God's love. As we understand the love that God has given us and Christ has showered us with, we then become vessels that flows from us to one another. This love, when we remain in His love and abide in His love, it flows out from us through to others. And there's no other way to love like Jesus calls us to if we don't abide in his love. We can't do it in our own efforts. But when we abide in his love, remain in his love, then it comes from, uh, from him to, through to us and through to other people. I think this is the power that we need if we're going to do what Jesus calls us to do. We have to abide in his love. Now we get to John 15, 5. I love what Jesus says here. He says, I am divine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it, he it is that bears much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. Apart from me, you have no power to do anything. But if you abide in him, then you can do this. You can love one another. Abiding in Jesus and his love is the power to love one another. And what does this abiding mean? Like That's a good phrase to throw out there. But what does that mean? I think it means this hour by hour trusting him to meet all our needs, to knowing his love, and for him to be your supreme treasure of all things. It means being reminded daily of how much you are loved and believing that. Despite, of our, despite our sin and failure, that we cannot be loved anymore and we will not be loved any less. And nothing in all creation can separate from that love, as Romans 8 says. It's daily knowing and believing that our sin, past, present, future is paid for in full and we have done nothing to deserve it. But it's out of his grace and mercy that we are loved and cherished as children of him. I don't know about you, but it's when I spend, the, when, I, when I wake up and the first thing I do is go to the Bible and spend time with my God in silence 
to just me and him and understanding who I am again, almost, almost slowing everything down and just being connected with God again and right-sizing everything, being reminded of, of his love. When I do that, it is so much easier to go inside and love my wife and love my kids and love anyone I meet that day. When I don't do that, I become selfish and look to my own interests. Love of God flows through me as I remain and abide in His love. It's so cliche to say, but if you struggle to love others, if you have grudges, if you're holding things against people, if you find it hard to forgive, we need to just go back to first principles and be reminded of the gospel, of the cross of Christ, of who we were, of what God did uh, for us when we were enemies, when we rebelled against Him. We go back to the source of the power. God's love for you in Christ. Jesus loved you. He died for you. He forgave you. He accepted you. He justified you and gave you eternal life. He made you heirs of the world to come when he owed you nothing. When, when, when he treated us as worthy of his service, but we were not worthy of his service. This is the power of, the, the power of love that we need to love others. This is not like calls us to love like him, but he provides the power also to do so, to remain in him, to abide in him. And finally, the purpose of love. My final observation. I want to take you back again to John 13, 34 and 35 and look at this last few words. He says, the new covenant I give you, love one another, just as I've loved you, you also love one another. Here it is. But by this or by this love, all people, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. This is the purpose of his love. All people will know that you are my disciples when you have love for one another. People will see and experience the unconditional work of the gospel, the unconditional love of God, as we demonstrate that to one another as his church. The church will become a visible sign of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The church of Christ is like no other community or association. Most other groups are based on common interests, or, or outlooks, but the church of Christ is characterized by an unconditional love, an inclusiveness which points to the gospel for all people. Church is to welcome all people, irrespective of background, age, gender, race, moral history, social status, influence, or intelligence. This is the church. This is Jesus' church. And this is what Jesus calls us to be here at Sea Life to love all people, to love like Christ, and to let his love flow through us and to the world. We'll take note of this. Love is like no other. And we see this demonstrated in the book of Acts. I mean, you've read the story of Acts and the, the early church. I love looking at the early church. Acts 2 and Acts 4, at the very end of the chapters, have a few sentences about what this church was like. The church was under attack, that the Christians were being killed for their faith. You read of a church that is so unified and loved one another so deeply, they met every day. And if anyone was in need of, of anything, they would sell their own stuff and say, Here, here's money. We want to care for you. We love you that much. We are family. They're of one heart and one mind, uh, the writer of Acts says. And that's the Lord added to their number daily. They were such an attractive community that was shaped in the gospel that others saw that and wanted in on what they were doing and came to know Jesus. I want to say that this love for one another still has the power and potential to do the same thing today as we love one another. And Jesus is calling us here to love as he is loved so the world may see his love by how we care for one another. One of my favorite authors and writers, David Platt, says this about the church. 
He says the church is compromised, uh, comprised sorry, of people who share the life of Christ every day. When we read the New Testament, we see God speaking about the church being people who love alongside one another for the sake of one another. The Bible portrays the church as a community of followers of Jesus who care for one another, who love one another, who host one another, who receive one another, serve, instruct, forgive, motivate, build, encourage, comfort, pray, confess, esteem, edify, teach, show kindness, give, rejoice, weep, hurt one another, and restore one another. All of these one another's combined to paint a picture of people who have decided to lay down their lives for each other. The church community of Jesus is a people who love one another and long to know and to grow in their love of Christ. This is the great part. It says this, and this love of the church paints an attractive and very different type of community from the rest of the world. As we lay down our lives for one another in the church, we express the love of Christ to people in the world. As Christians lock their arms and live to get, live and, and lives together with one another in local churches, nothing has the power to stop the global spread of the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's God's picture and that's God's plan and his desire for the church. It's God's purpose of the church. Here's what I want you to see. I want you to see what we do here is not very impressive each week as you come, week in, week out. But what we do here matters every single week. Every week matters. Every small group matters. Every small group counts. How you treat one another, how we treat each other, how we interact, how you speak to each other, how you love, it matters. It matters. Doing life, sharing our lives, loving like Christ, actually has what God says in his word, it has eternal purposes. The message of God is not just, and his love is not displayed through us as we go out into the world. It is actually displayed through you, sorry, but it's, it's displayed through us together. Every week, each week, week in, week out, we live out in the full view of all people the important mission of displaying the transforming effects of the gospel for the world to see. Every single week. You know, when I think about City Light, I know, you know, Jasmine and I have been here since the beginning, six years ago, whatever it is now. I think we actually do quite a good job at loving one another. I really do. I want to encourage you to keep on going and putting other people's needs for your own. We need to keep doing that. that, that is, I'm encouraged by that. But I still think one area we need to grow in, and we, we bang away at this, is just being here. It's simply just being here. Over the past few, a few years, we've tried to do outreach events. It's been great. We've, we've had a, a speaker come up the front, people who don't know Jesus come into our midst. And we have lots of people who come, and it's amazing. But the biggest issue for us is that the church doesn't turn up. We just don't turn up. You know, most Sundays, a third of the church is away here every week. And again, it's a cliche line, but it's hard to love, it's hard to display the transforming work of the gospel if we're just here. And I say this out of love because I love you guys, and, but I also love Jesus and I want, to, I want to speak his truth to us. We need to be here. You know, we're smaller now. We've sent it off the bird, which is so exciting. Things are going great there and God is working there. But when we aren't here, we feel it. We need you. How amazing together we get to tangibly display 
the work of the gospel and show the world how good God is. You can be a part of showing God's love to the world by simply being here every single week. We can see people go from, from death to life to be alongside us, for, uh, alongside us in eternity forever as we gather and show the love of Christ, as we love one another, that you need to be here. What we do here, week in, week out, it matters. And it matters to God and His purposes and His eternal consequences. And I want to encourage you to be a part of it. Make church a priority that you don't miss. If you lock into a diary that says, I can't do anything else but come to church on this Sunday, this time. Go to small group. I love people in my small group because what we're doing is we're encouraging one another. We're also displaying the gospel effects of the world. I know that we, a lot of us struggle with certain things and we battle and I, I get that and I live that myself and I talk to us about that. And, but let's work out of being here. Let's display the love of God by how we love one another week in, week out here for the glory of Christ. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for your design, the church. You call it your bride, you call it your body. And you love it and you are here this afternoon in our midst. You promised to be here. We can, we can, we can experience you and know you and love you and, and show you to the world as we've gathered here, just like this afternoon. And Father, it may not feel or look very impressive, but help us to believe your word. Help us to believe what you say about the church. If we need a word of correction, Father, help us to feel that. Holy Spirit, just, just convict us, then lead us to grace. Thank you so much that you, you do care about your church. You haven't left us in the world as orphans. You build your family here now on earth through the church. Lord, help us to fall back in love with the church. Help us, help us to see it as family. Help us to see it as your bride who you love and are committed to and help us have the same mind and heart. Father, for those of us who need a, comfort, a comforting word, help us, church, to get around, around these people, to love them. We want to thank you for the story of Jack and Eilish and the way they have felt loved by you through how we have loved them. Thank you, they're a blessing to us as well. Keep working in our hearts. Bump us along to fall more in love with the church and see eternal purposes. Lord, help us to wrestle with what we've heard today from your word. Help us not to leave here disheartened, but encouraged by the word. Lord, thank you so much for Jesus. He's here who loves us. And Lord, help us keep thinking on what you, what you said to us today through your word. Thank you so much. Amen.